0: I tell you what, don't take for granted what you're experiencing right now. You know for nine weeks you didn't get this. Huh? A lot of people have still not got this. They're dealing with things at home. They're dealing with issues, sickness. and They need to take care of themselves and their family. And quite frankly, many of them appreciate, can I be real with you, and long to be here and would appreciate it more to be here than probably some of you that are here. Because you feel good in your body. You don't have any issues. You don't have any underlying issues. So it's nothing for you to come and gather with people and worship God. And you are excited maybe that first Sunday, but it's already the new norm has already become to where you're not really even appreciating the blessing that it is to be in the house of God. When others so desire and want to be here, but are unable to be here yet. Let us, do, let us make sure that that does never become a new norm. That's what I put on uh, Facebook this morning. Don't let your internet connection cause you to lose connections with people. Are you hearing me? Don't let your internet connection cause you to lose your connections. Are y'all hearing me? We have been called by God to be together. And we're going to get through this thing, y'all. I do not accept that we're just never going to be able to worship together again. The way some people are actually saying. I don't accept that I'm not going to be able to shake people's hands. I don't accept that I'm not going to be able to to hug somebody. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Appropriate with a side hug. Are y'all hearing me? I refuse to be injected with the venom of a snake. Huh? I was snake bitten. I am not snake bitten now. I got news for you. I don't mean this to be disrespectful if you preach this, believe this. And I understand the premise of it. These people that say that we're all sinners saved by grace. I got news for you. I might sin, but that don't make me a sinner. I was a sinner saved by grace. I am a child of God. Quit calling me a sinner, man. Oh, I know I sin. I know I mess up, but I know who I am in God. There is a difference in the Larry of today than the Larry B.C. before Christ. Are you with me, church? Stretch your hands towards me right now. I got got 53 minutes to preach this sermon. Father, I just thank you, Lord for your anointing I thank you for my church I thank you Lord for this moment I thank you Lord that we don't take for granted the opportunity it is to be together in the house of God we just said it we were laughing about it but we meant it God it is now time for us to receive the anointed preaching and teaching of God's word we will listen and we will retain, and we will allow the word of God to change us make us into the person the woman the man of God that you desire for us to be that we would see ourselves the way you see us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Are you praying for your pastor? How many of us, if there's ever been a time you need to be praying for your pastor, it's now. Because the weight of the moment is on every pastor. People's waiting to see what you're going to say about this. Heard this on the news Tuesday. Are you going to talk about it on Sunday? Heard the news on something on the news Thursday. Are you going to talk about it on Sunday? Well, I got news for you. I know we're in a very volatile moment. I know we're in a volatile moment. But I'm going to tell you something. Every time we come together, regardless of what church it is, regardless of who the pastor is, ultimately, no matter what, his job is one job. The Bible said how can they know in something, how can they believe in something? they have not heard and how can they hear without a preacher I got news for you the job of the preacher is to address the situations but the job of the preacher is to address the situations with the word of God and not his opinion I'm not up here to give you my opinion. I'm up here to give you the Word of God. If you don't like the Word of God, you can get mad at the Word of God. But if I just got up here and gave you my opinion, then you can get mad at my opinion. When it is my opinion, I'll tell you it's my opinion. But I've not been called to tickle ears and to put butterflies in your belly. You said I was your pastor. You said I was your father. And I'm going to speak into your life like I am. I preached to you last week a message about the snake in the garden. I told you that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was what God said you wouldn't eat from, right? But I told you the poison was really not because of the tree. The poison was because of what was in the tree. The fruit that Eve ate and turned and gave to her husband was poisonous and laced with death. Not because it was on a tree that God made, but because it just happened to be on a limb covered by a snake and a conversation before that apple or whatever you want to call it, fruit was ever taken and bitten. The poison from the snake was injected in the fruit. Notice, are you with me, church? Notice the snake did not have to bite the person. To bite the person. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. How are you going to be snake-bitten when a snake ain't bit you? When you begin to look through the eyes and look at the Word of God with a spiritual realm, you begin to understand a little bit more. They were snake-bitten without the snake ever having to bite them. I'm about to get into some stuff. In fact, this may not make a whole lot of sense to you right now, but it will by the time I get through. Adam and Eve were snake-bitten in a very cunning way. Don't you know the Bible says the serpent was more cunning than any creature that had been made. He understood that if he opened up his mouth and would and exposed the fangs and it would scare the person. How many of the devil don't come up to your front door with pointed ears And a pitchfork tail, are y'all hearing me? Holding a pitchfork and flame and red, going, Can I come in and have some sweet tea? The biggest heathen non church going, don't even believe in God. If they saw that, they'd say, Devil, get out of my driveway. But the devil shows up in cunning ways, he shows up in voices from people that you learn to trust. He shows up in the media. He shows up sometimes in people in your own family and in your household. huh? He may not look like a devil. Most of the time you'll never be able to know it's the devil by what it looks like. You'll only be able to know it's the devil by what it sounds like. Because if you give a devil long enough, the devil will begin to speak like the devil. But the truth is, even when he speaks like the devil, if you're not careful, he will sound like God. He may look like God. He may look like somebody that's godly. And he may say, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. If you don't know what the Lord said, you ain't going to know That the devil's trying to twist your word. Watch how one little cunning, slight addition to the word changed everything. It started with Eve. When he said, Eve, did God really say? And I told you last week, the reason he said, did God really say? Is because that was a conversation they had had thousands of times. It was not a new conversation because he had continued to hear God told us this, God told us that. He says, did God really say to you that you could not eat of this tree? Of course he said that. I've always told you that. He told us that we could not eat of this tree, neither touch it lest we die. When he heard Eve add to the word of God, because God didn't tell him he couldn't touch it. In fact, he commanded them to touch it, right? To tend it and care for it. He just said, don't eat from it. When he heard that, he goes, okay, their mind is open to addition to the word of God. So in a cunning way, he then moved. That was an open door. That's what I just preached on open doors. It was an open door to him. And he walked right in that door. And in a cunning way, he didn't fully Throw away what God said. He just twisted it. He said, well, I know what God said to you. And what he said to you was exactly what you just said. But let me tell you what he meant. And when he told him, he said, he knew that when you ate of the fruit, you would be like him and your eyes would be open and you would be a God. When she, watch this, listen to me. Before she ever bit the apple, she bit into that statement. The apple of the fruit was simply a physical manifestation of a spiritual bite that had already happened. Are you hearing me? In fact, write this down, tweet this today you ain't going to fully understand it but maybe you will after what i just said but as i'm doing my notes i heard the lord say they were bitten by their bite ooh you got to you got to say law on that one they were bitten by their own bite when they bit the apple, the fruit, they became the tool of the serpent. And their bite caused them to be snake bitten. Can I tell you what I mean by that, Satan? Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. I don't know if y'all ready for it, Satan. You ain't gonna. You may not. Just gonna be revelation to some of y'all. Satan has no authority to bite us. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. He has no authority and no right to bite us. And here's the thing about the devil: he knows it. But we are a nation and a world that is snake-bitten. How are we snake-bitten when the devil has no authority to bite us? I didn't say he can't bite us. I just said he don't have the authority to bite us. The only way we are ever snake-bitten is when we bite into what he is saying ourselves and our bite causes us to be bitten. That's good preaching whether you say amen or not. Eve, when she bit the apple, and I'm gonna say apple, I know it was probably wasn't, I don't know what it was, but I'm gonna say apple. When Eve bit the apple, Eve bit herself. Then she turned and gave it to Adam, and Adam did eat, and when Adam bit the apple, Adam bit himself. Tell you something, you keep messing around a snake, you're gonna get bit. Huh? Let me just tell you something. I tell this story, this cute little story that I've been telling for years about a snake. This man went to the pet store, and found this cute little snake, and it was the sweetest little snake. It was, it was just a little baby. And the pet owner said, This snake is venomous, but it's a baby. If it bit you right now, just maybe just make it a little red, but it wouldn't do nothing to you to kill you. But I want to warn you that later on it needs to be in the cage because it's a very venomous viper. But right now it just barely sting you. But it was so sweet, crawled up on his finger and crawled up on his arm and played with him and he, he, he took him home and this guy just fell in love with this snake. And, and he started just, he let that snake while he's watching Netflix, that little snake just come up there and they just he just sit up beside him, curl it by his ear and every once in a while he'd look up. And that snake just had this, for some reason that snake, started Feeling like he was a pet too. And he he liked it when his when his daddy would rub him on the top of his head and that little snake would just kiss him on the cheek. And that snake kept getting bigger and bigger. And he he you know, he'd feed him, and that snake would just love on him, and he'd love on that snake. And and, and they built a life together. And for years, man, he instead of getting a dog, everybody else had a dog that's like, I know it's freaking y'all out, but you ought to see my snake. My snake's the sweetest snake I've ever had in my life. I'm telling you, I've I've welcomed. Him. I don't even put him in a cage. He has free reign in my house. When I'm in the bed, he'll get up in the bed with me. He he is he is just he's just a wonderful snake. And then one day, just one day, he's getting him a cup of coffee, and the snake just gets up on the edge of the of the table, looking at him like he always does. He's sipping his coffee, looking at the snake. And as he's looking at the snake, he says, Good morning, snake. And the snake goes, <laughs> and latches right on his neck. He's just like what are you doing? The snake just makes sure all the venom gets into his main artery. And he has no hope of living now. He goes, I, 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 I don't understand. The snake goes, Chuck. dude, I'm a snake. You've always known I was a snake. I'm not a dog or a cat. I'm a snake. See, I thought I was telling a true story. But the the example is, I don't care what the devil tries to make you think. He is setting you up. Huh? He is setting you up. Oh, this ain't in my notes, but I think I'll just go ahead and preach it. That innocent lunch that you have with your coworker, that ain't nothing but lunch huh, there's nothing there, there's just lunch, but you enjoy going and getting a bagel together in the morning sometimes and sitting there and talking about life, you better know that snake is setting you up, huh? It's best just not to go get a bagel with somebody that ain't your husband or wife unless it's somebody godly and you see you single and you're trying to get you a husband and wife. Are y'all with me? Here's the problem with man. Man will live with a snake, empower the snake. The snake will bite them after years of giving that snake permission, opening doors left and right. That's what this nation has done for over 200 years. We have one door after the other just open the door to the devil. We shake our head and say, how did we get here? Well, we got here because from the very beginning, people made decisions to open the door, make make it all about themselves, and to X God out of the equation. What did Grandma used to say? Honey, one day your chicken's going to come home to roost. Did I say that right? Because I usually butcher it. Got it right? I got it right? The chickens have come home to roost. But here's the good news we have an antidote here's what man does man will live with that snake play with that snake the snake will bite them they'll fall over dead and they'll do they'll do two things the first thing was I, how in the world did that happen and the second question the second thing they do is begin to blame everyone else except themselves we saw that from the very beginning. When the very first ones were snake-bitten, they immediately knew they were naked. They took uh, leaves and tried to cover themselves up. And when when God came down the cool of the garden that, that same day, he knew what was going on. He was giving them an opportunity to confess and repent. He says, hey, Adam, we usually walk during this time. Where are you at? I don't uh, Where are you at? Where are you at? He says, I'm back here hiding. He says, why are you hiding? He says, because I'm naked. And he said, who told you you were naked? Do you know? You know why he said that? He said, "Are you kidding me? You trying to tell me that you're naked? Like you didn't know that I knew that you were naked? I'm the one that made you naked. Who told you you were naked? Who who did you give the authority to define you?" Because I'm the one that made you. There ain't nobody but one that's got the authority to define you. The one that made you. So I want to know who messed this up and redefined you as so naked and shameful that you got to cover yourself up. You never had to cover yourself up when I was with you. First words out of his mouth. It was that woman you gave me. Huh? Read your Bible. Instead of saying it was the snake, it was the woman. The woman's the one that gave me the fruit. It's her fault. Hmm. Give you a chance to, to own up, Woman. Is this true, woman? Is it your fault? She at least correctly identifies, not really. It was that snake. If it wouldn't have been for the snake, I wouldn't have ate it. Adam says, if it wouldn't have been for the woman, I wouldn't have ate it. Are y'all hearing me? Ultimately, here's the bottom line. Did the Bible not say, my God, I know I ain't going to get all my sermon out today. Did the Bible not say in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let us give them dominion over all the fish of the sea, over all the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That meant God gave Adam and Eve total dominion over the serpent. Total dominion. They had the right to tell that serpent to shut up. The serpent had no right to tell them anything. We only have the recorded words of the serpent because man and woman gave him the authority to speak. You have the authority over who speaks into your life. Just cause somebody wants to say something to you don't mean they have the authority to say it. I wish I had 2 hours to preach today. We are being reshaped by voices who don't even believe in God. Your identity is being shaped by people who militantly hate Jesus. Am I still on Facebook or did Zuckerberg kick me off? the children of Israel were in Goshen, and they were there because they were blessed. Even though they were not Egypt, they were blessed because of the voice of Joseph. One man stood in the midst of a famine and pestilence and preserved a homeland for his father and the very brothers that sold him into captivity to become a slave. He rose through false accusation, through prison, through a pit, through false accusation in Polypher's house till the favor of God was on him through it all because he was identified by his God. He never lost sight of what God told him in that dream, those two dreams that he had. As a boy, when his daddy put that coat of many colors on him. Oh, how about that? How about that preach right now? A coat of many colors worn by one man who just happened to be a type and shadow of Jesus Christ if you study Joseph you'll find that his life teaches us about the things that would happen to Jesus Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver come on by his own people his own brothers that cried out blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord in less than a week cried out crucify him are you hearing me everything that happened to Joseph in some kind of way happened to Jesus but when, his, when the father put the coat on the type and shadow of Jesus, a man, a boy named Joseph. Isn't it awesome that he wore a coat of many colors? Isn't it awesome when you think about the thing that made the rest of the people upset in mad was the coat of many colors because the world has never wanted us together. The world has never wanted us on one place, but the only place that we can ever come together is when we are wrapped around the man Christ Jesus. He He wears the coat. What is the coat of many colors now? A coat covers the body. We are the body of Christ. We instead of a coat, we are a body of many colors. Whew. You might as well shout Amen. They had a place that that Pharaoh, because of Joseph, said, I'm going to keep them over there. I'm going to protect them. They're not going to have to suffer anymore. So they were taking care of this place called Goshen. I'm going to skip over it for time purposes. But the Bible says, see, with every new generation, the previous generation, has got to prepare that generation for what might come. Huh? So you've got to tell people. This is why we tell our leaders. We operate now how we will win. We don't wait till there's a thousand people in here to have principles to be able to minister to a thousand people. We establish principles to minister to a thousand people when we're running 250 people because by faith we believe a thousand is coming. And we're not going to be blindsided and try to react. We want to be proactive. So while they're living in Goshen and living, I mean, this ain't that bad. Maybe we're not in the golden palace of the Egyptians, but man. Everything we want, we got. But the Bible says, and I won't read it, but it's in Exodus chapter 1. It says, then there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. See, as long as the Pharaoh knew Joseph, God's people were blessed because of Joseph. But then that Pharaoh died. And there arose a Pharaoh who had no personal connection with Joseph or his people. And the Bible says he began to speak with his voice things like to his confidant. We need to go inject ourselves into Goshen because they are so big and so large and it seems like everything they desire to have, they do. It could be one day that they outnumber us and they may decide to overthrow us, so we've got to do something about them. So he began to tell them, You are no longer who you thought you were. From now on, you will be our slaves and you will do what we tell you to do. Can I tell you something? for years and years and years that was pounded into their mindset. So much so that when they finally came out of Egypt and God used Moses to lead them out of bondage, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Why is it getting so quiet? All I'm doing is preaching the Bible. Just don't, don't let your minds wander. I'm just preaching the Bible, okay? Can I just talk about the Bible without worrying about something? Can I just preach the Bible? Okay, because I ask you if I was your pastor, just trying to preach the Bible. When they got out in the wilderness, the first sign of problems. Don't get hung up on the words here. Get hung up on the mindset. The first sign of problems, the very first words out of the people that God had just brought through ten plagues and not a single plague come nigh Goshen. It was pitch black darkness in Egypt. The lights were on in Goshen. There were frogs jumping all over the place in Egypt. Not a frog in Goshen. Every firstborn was killed on the 10th play. But all the houses that had the blood over the doorpost in Goshen, not a single firstborn died. They get to the Red Sea. They can hear the Egyptians that changed their mind coming after them. They looked to the left. There's mountains. They looked to the right. There's mountains. There's a big red sea in front of us. And instead of believing, okay, God, if you brought us through ten plagues, this I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you're going to do it. <laughs> Nobody said it. In fact, they said, take us back to Egypt. We would rather eat the scraps that the pigs finish with than to have to stand in this place right now. Are y'all hearing me? I've heard preachers say it for years, and it's a good way of saying it. You can you can take people out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of people. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. The only way you can get Egypt out of somebody is they're going to have to be set free by Jesus. Come on, somebody. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. I got news for you. When you get free by Jesus, you free. There's some people in prison right now a lot more free than some of the people that's in this building right now. I got news for you. They might be behind bars. They might be chained up. But they've been set free by Jesus. Hallelujah. I see some people in the house of God that's more bound up because they've allowed people to speak into their lives and snake bite them and inject them with the venom of the mouth of somebody that could care less about you. You can get mad at me if you want to, but here's the truth. I'm telling you this because I genuinely care about you. You may not think that. And it's up to you whether you believe that. I genuinely care and my heart is breaking for this nation. And I care for everybody that God has put under my leadership to shepherd them. I love you and I care for you. I love you enough to make sure the chains have failed from you. My God, it's time for the people of God to be the people of God. Now, see, if I was some big fancy preacher, somebody ran up and took my coat from me like I was somebody. Nobody even moved. That's all right. I'm just. That's right. You feel it? Get him, get him, get him. I'm just kidding. Listen to me. You must hear me. Some things, when God gives it to me, I write it down. I just got to read it the way God gave it to me. This is what I typed. Listen, church. Listen, family, you need to hear me. The same spirit, this same spirit that attacked the people of Goshen are attacking the people of God today. This same venom that came from the snake in the garden that injected itself in the wilderness is everywhere around us. The system that does not know Jesus, because Joseph was a type and foreshadow of Jesus, is coming. They are coming after the people of God, and the purpose is to cause us to forget who we are. Who are we? Romans 8:12, 17. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by why we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, somebody shout if you're thankful that God called you his child. Oh, I know what you used to be. I know what you used to do. I know what you used to say. I know what your mama said and your mama did and your daddy did and your great-granddaddy did. Oh, you can't negate that. But I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. Do you not know who you are? Who are you? Who are we? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are, look at your neighbor and say, you are. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who have not who had not obtained mercy but now obtained mercy. Oh, I know you, you. You used to be somebody. I used to be somebody. We all used to be somebody. But that man is dead. We've been raised to life in Christ Jesus. Now you can't change your skin color. You can't change who your mom and daddy is. You can't change where you live. Well I guess you can change where you live. But you can't change where you lived. You can't change where you was born. You can't change what side of the tracks you was born on. You can't change whether you had a silver spoon in your mouth or you had to fight for every little bite you got. But the bottom line is this. Whatever you used to be before Christ in Christ Jesus behold all things have become new. Now I'm not telling you he changes your race. He don't do that. He don't even change your personality. He might change your ways but you are who you are. If you're shy before Jesus you may still be shy after Jesus and it's okay. If he's a loud mouth before Jesus maybe you need to stop being a loud mouth. I'm sorry. I mean you still be a loud mouth for Jesus after Jesus. You are who you are. But something has to change. It's 1142. If you've got to take that pill, go ahead and take it because you're going to need that pill for what I'm about to say. Hmm. Was that Mac Daddy told me not to hold it back? Say it again, Mac Daddy. Die! That's all I need. Hmm. Mac Daddy, I'm going to tell you something. You'll never know what you mean to me. I cannot express to you. Every time I talk to you, I cry for thirty minutes talking to my wife. That man of God. He'll be in his shed, working in his shed. And God'll give him a word for his pastor. He'll call me up. He'll I love it. I love when I look down. Hey, some there's some people when I'm in the middle of something, I might press uh, uh I hate to use that word ignore but that means I'm going to get back to you but when I see Max Stringer on there I hit answer because I know he don't call me unless he's got a word this is what he'll tell me he'll say pastor I'm respecting your time it's so funny sometimes he'll say I need 8 to 10 minutes and that's all I need he'll be very specific and very and he'll begin to speak about the, the Lord told me to tell you this to encourage you on this this and this I'll look at my watch and in somewhere around 9 minutes he'll be through and Max will say brother I love you thank you for your time I'll see you at church Sunday Close. I'm telling you right now, but my spirit man will just rise up. I feel like Samson, man. I just—I'll tell that devil. I know who I am, devil. You come on, try to mess with me and my family. Oh, I'll rip you us st- to. I'll shred you. One day I'm gonna wear that shirt. If I'm gonna lose by another ten pounds, I'm gonna wear that shirt again. So let me, let me back up for a minute. Show you something. I'm going to be done by 12, I promise. Maybe even before 12. Show you something about that snake. The snake has always been present in every major event in history. And I'm not talking about the devil. I'm talking about an actual image of a snake or a snake. Every culture that is not of God, has embraced the snake. Every one of them. The Pharaohs, King Tut has a snake, a viper, on the front of his headdress. The Greeks had Medusa, a head full of snakes. Are y'all hearing me? Every major belief system, political system, I should say, has embraced the snake. Is that not interesting to you? Even events, good events, you see the snake. We see that before the children of Israel was ever, had to go through the 10 plagues and the people of Egypt had to go through the 10 plagues, God tells Moses, take your brother Aaron and go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Are you hearing me? You know that story. So he stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, what do you want? He says, I come by the Lord God to tell you, let my people go. Let your people go. Get out. God does something unusual. I'm not going to read it. It's in Exodus chapter 7 if you want to write it down. God speaks to Aaron and says, Aaron, take your rod and throw it down. What's this? This is powerful. Throws it down. What happens to the rod? It turns into a snake. He says, "Now reach down and pick up the snake. He reaches down and picks up the snake, and the moment his hand touches the snake, it becomes a rod again." Pharaoh says, because let me tell you something about the devil. The devil is weak I mean, the devil is pathetic when it comes to Jesus Christ, but make no mistake about it. The devil is powerful. The devil can do false miracles. We know that from this story and many other stories, and we also know that in the book of Revelation it tells us in the last days the false prophet will do false miracles all over the world, and people will believe that the Antichrist is God because of the false miracles. Hmm? Don't you think the devil can make somebody fall on the floor and act like they're dying and then look like they're raising them from the dead? Huh? To fool you? Here's how you judge a miracle, whether it's of God. Did it happen as a result of someone who is godly? So the Pharaoh says, that's nothing. He calls his sorcerers over. He says, show them. And this blows my mind that this happened this way. What's this? The sorcerers of Egypt throw their rods to the ground and they turn to snakes. To try to overshadow the miracle of God. Now how could a sorcerer Turn a rod into a snake. The only way the sorcerer had the power to turn the rod into the snake is the sorcerers had completely surrendered their life to the snake. That rod was simply an extension of the original snake. But God says, okay, that's how we're going to play? I need to make a point here. You could have just accepted and let the people go. You're going to try to make a mockery of me? Aaron, throw your rod down again. He throws his rod down again. What happens to it? It becomes a snake. But then the Bible says the snake that was Rod's Aaron goes and swallows up and eats all the other snakes. Are y'all hearing me? It's interesting that God chose the serpent to be used when confronting the enemy of God. Just before the curses began. It was a reminder. These plagues that are coming are a result of the serpent. Y'all can't handle what I'm about to tell you. So when the whole thing began, the children of Israel, the ten plagues began immediately after this moment. After the revelation of the snake, symbolic sin comes when the snake has authority. Pharaoh represents Satan, Moses represented God. The snake in this scenario represented the curse. The poison of intimidation was once again used to attempt to infect God's people. When Pharaoh's sorcerer's rod turned to snakes, they laughed. They made fun of God But I want you to know something Aaron's snake was the truth It wasn't the snake that was the truth It was the rod that was the truth That same rod budded later on. Let me tell you something. It was not the snake that was displaying the power. It was the rod. The Bible says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That rod represented God and the word of God, represented authority. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Here's our answer. Somebody say, I know my answer. My answer is the truth. Listen. The truth. The truth will always swallow a lie. I don't care how many come at me. I don't care how many angles they come at me. They cannot overtake the truth. Somebody say that with me. Truth. Always swallows the lie. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you felt like you've been in a wilderness? I, I know I have. I know there are people that, that are isolated in their homes. They've been in their homes. They only get out occasionally to go to the doctor and stuff. They've been in their homes for weeks and months now. I know you feel like you're you're wandering in the desert. But I got good news for you. You're coming out of that desert. You're coming out of that wilderness. Now watch this, nine minutes. The children of Israel's freedom began with the snake. Fast forward 40 years. 40 years wandering in, in the wilderness. It had been gone so long, right at the end of these 40 years, the Bible says Aaron dies. Aaron dies, he is mourned, and he is buried. I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to tell you the reference again. Numbers 21. Aaron dies. As they are mourning after 40 years, watch what happens. If you're not careful in times of mourning, in times of sadness, in times of pain, and in times of loss, if you're not careful to guard the doors of your heart, you will invite the enemy to come in with an answer that is not the answer that you needed. In those times, you will either come closer to God, or if you're not careful, those are the times that you'll walk away from God. And you'll say things like, well, if God is so good, then why did this happen? How could he have took him or took her? Are y'all hearing me? So the people loved Aaron. You know why the people loved Aaron? Because Aaron had a flaw. He loved that the people loved him. He was the one that fashioned the golden calf while Moses was on the mountain. Are y'all hearing me? He would get caught up in that. So they dearly loved him, and they felt like he was sort of a mediator between the gruff voice of this authoritarian Moses and them, and now he was gone. So what happens? In Numbers chapter 21, they're mourning as they leave Mount Hor on the way of the Red Sea. Isn't it interesting that 40 years earlier, they began their freedom with a snake, And the Red Sea. Forty years later, they're right back at the Red Sea. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. It's in Numbers chapter 21. And it said, the soul of the people became so discouraged on the way that they spoke against God and against Moses. Be careful who you're speaking against. Mm? Be careful who you're speaking against right now. Huh? Why have you brought us? This is 40 years, y'all. 40 years, that's what I'm talking about. You can take them out of Egypt. You can't take each other. 40 years, they said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt? Just to die in the wilderness. For there is no food and no water. And watch this, our soul loathes this worthless bread. Do you know what they're talking about? Manna from heaven. Our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord said, okay, I guess once again you need to be reminded. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and make it so that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when they looked at the bronze serpent, they lived. Come on, somebody. Oh, I ain't got time to tell you. There were snakes at the beginning. There were snakes at the end. There was a Red Sea at the beginning. There was a Red Sea at the end. Because just short Shortly after this Moses dies and they go into the into the place of Jericho. Oh my God are y'all hearing me? The Bible says put on the armor of God so that you might protect yourselves against the fiery darts of the wicked. I'm telling you he's still trying to inject his fiery poison. The Bible says these serpents when they bit him they were called fiery serpents because it burned intensely where, where the bite was. He was a fiery serpent. God. They were literally snake bitten. The bike killed some of them, but it didn't kill all of them. It's amazing to me that people will go after the man of God, and the people are trying to speak into their life. Listen to me. Let me rephrase that. It is amazing to people the people that go after the man of God during good times, but they need him during bad times. I tell you, when everything's good, you'll chew up your preacher and spit him out. But when you need your preacher because all hell's broke loose against you, you want to come asking for forgiveness. They begged Moses to take their sins to God. I tell you what, Moses was just about tired of these people, but he did it. And he did what God told him to do. And he put that snake up on a pole. Why did God tell him to do that? Because the Bible says in John chapter 3, remember the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. John chapter 3. Anybody's ever heard of John 3, 16? Wave your hands at me. But wait a minute. How about John chapter 3, verse 14. Just two verses before 16. Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Let me tell you something. He was trying to say that... He that knew no sin became sin. Oh! The snake had to be lifted up because it was symbolic of the day that a sinless Savior, Messiah, would be lifted up on a pole, and all the sins of the serpent injected him. Genesis chapter 3 said, he said, there's a seed coming of the woman. You're going to inject and bruise his heel with your poison. But what you don't know, when you inject him with your poison, it ain't going to be like everybody else. When your poison comes in, just like they take the fangs of the snake and they have to take the venom to make the anti-venom. He said, I've never known sin but in order for me to be the cure for sin I gotta be bitten by sin. So y'all ain't hear me. So Jesus on the cross was snake bitten of the sins of the world and he that knew no sin became sin so that we might be saved. Somebody ought to praise God that we got a savior that created the antidote the anti-venom on the the cross get up on your feet Jesus tried to tell him in John chapter 12 he said if I if I am lifted up from the earth I will draw all people to myself see we think that means to be lifted up in praise Let me tell you something. Your praise don't draw everybody in the world to him. But when they nailed him to a cross and they lifted up up on top of that mountain, I'm telling you, it's not by chance that they crucified him on a hill. Because when you're on a hill, the only way you can see, you gotta look up. Are y'all hearing me? Just like they had to look up at the snake. They had to look up at Jesus. And when he said, it is finished, What he meant was the anti venom has been made. My blood has the antibodies. Oh my God, now I can truthfully say and you can walk in it no matter what you've been bit by. He was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin and for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. That's why we got to have a blood transfusion in the spirit realm. That's why we got to be born again. Because it's the only way to get the anti-venom. We're all born snake-bitten. Jesus said, I took the venom of the snake and I swallowed it up. Now, How about this? To this day, the symbol of hospitals and medicine and pharmacies is a snake wrapped around a pole. Don't tell me that they didn't know what that meant. They knew we can only do so much. So in the crest of what we're trying to do, we need The snake on the pole. Y'all hear somebody shout in this place. Somebody shout if you are free. We have the answer. But here's the thing. I can lay hands on you all day long, but I can't give it to you. I can't inject it. I can't put it in a needle. I can't put it in something you can drink. I can't put it in something you can snort. I can't put it in something you can eat. There's not a multivitamin in a, that you can take every morning that will cause this antivenom. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, you're not saved unless you're drawn by the Spirit jesus told nicodemus nicodemus i know you're educated i know you're a man of god i know that you love god i know you're here because you're hungry but nicodemus you don't understand it you're snake bitten you must be born again what do you mean see when you're born when you're conceived you take the blood of your mama and even the dna of your daddy But the blood of your mama feeds you. Well, the blood of your mama is snake-bitten in the natural. So he tells him, no, 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 there's nothing your mama can do to change this, Nicodemus. The only way you can be cured is you must be born again. If you're watching online, you must be born again. breathe for a minute y'all don't know the devils I fought up here recently just to preach the gospel my mind at times is tormented I'm just being real with y'all I'm trying to intimidate me I have to just shake my head sometimes. get, get out, get out I got to stay focused I got to be you got to be who God's called you to be I don't know about you but every once in a while I need to go back to the great physician and I need to get a new dose of the antivenom because even though I'm born again even though my name's written in the book of life I've been bit a few times lately that's caused me to not be who I'm supposed to be are you hearing me? can I just be real with you? sometimes you just got to go back to the altar Sometimes you just got to go back and fall on your face. I don't care how long you've been saved. Sometimes you just got to cry out and spare not. We need to repent. Repent. Pray this prayer with me, church. Say it out loud online. Pray this with us. Jesus, it's obvious. I can't do this by myself. I need you in my life. I confess you today and forevermore as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I believe when you are lifted up, on that cross and you shed your blood for me you took my sins upon you and you became the way that I could be right with God there is no other way so Jesus I'm asking you to forgive me come into my heart and save me To live a life only for you. In Jesus' name. I want to say one more thing to the Lord. You can join me if you want to. But I'm going to say it and you can repeat after me. Jesus, I'm not ashamed of you in this moment. And I declare openly, you are the only one that has the authority to tell me who I am. I am your child. And I'm going to act like it and I'm going to live like it in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a praise.